playoffs? What are you talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. The legendary playoff quote from former NFL coach Jim Mora. The regular season is over. It is playoff time in the Canadian Football League. Hello again, everybody. I'm Jock Wilson. This is Football North. On today's show, we're going to take a look back at the CFL regular season. We're going to set up the playoffs. The Eastern semifinal is going to feature the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Montreal. The winner goes to Toronto. In the West, the Stampeders are in Vancouver. The winner has to take on the powerhouse two-time champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, November the 20th. It is Grey Cup time in Regina. Joining me on the show today, Derek Taylor, play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Morley Scott, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elks. And Morley, I'm going to start with you. Since you don't have a team in the race, can anybody beat the Bombers? Don't think so. I don't know what uh, would lead you to think they could. Uh, I mean, they've just been so dominant for so long, uh, including most of this season. When they're healthy and they're on their game, they're untouchable, I think, as they go into the playoffs. Uh, they've only got to win one game to get there, and I, they're probably going to do that, and they're probably going to win the big game when they get there. I, I don't see, as long as they stay healthy, I don't see anything going wrong in Winnipeg on their way to a three-peat. So, so Derek Taylor, let me ask you this. Since uh, you cover the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on, on a daily basis, a 15-win season, that is you know the best in franchise history is this team as good as they were the last two years that they won the Grey Cup championship are they are, are they on par are they a little bit below I, I, I would love your thoughts on that oh that's a real good question the defense is nowhere near last year's defense right because that one the 2021 Bombers defense was otherworldly like historically great in the Canadian Football League so to ask it to be that was would be would be a lot it's it's good enough though it's what top three in the CFL so that's that's a pretty good start, and and they've done it despite injuries in non-key positions. Like they've had, they've been on three weak side linebackers. They've been on three safeties. Of course, now got their starter back in Brandon Alexander. Multiple quarterbacks they've had to go through. Uh, they've been without Jackson Jeffcoat, who is an absolute stud, rushing off the edge for much of the season. Like they've they've dealt with a lot to get here. So. They're, they're not as great on that respect as they were last year, but still, uh, I mean, most of your team is good. And the offense is fantastic. Like, Zach Kolaris, what is, is 37 touchdown passes the most in the league in the last decade? Like, that is, that is a phenomenal performance. Dalton Schoen, 15 touchdowns to lead the league, might be the best receiver in the CFL in his first year. They're able to run the ball well enough when it matters through Brady Oliveira and that offensive line and through their variety of jet sweeps, I think, Probably six guys ran jet sweeps for them this season. Like they're 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 really really good, and to have done it with the injuries. And, and again, we have to stress like injuries. More than made a good point that injuries could take them out. Like an injury to the wrong person could absolutely take them out. But they've been able to have the right people healthy for the entire season. And I think that's where 15 wins comes from. No, I, I I think you're both bang on. And, you know, hey, in a one-game showdown, anything can happen. We don't know what the weather's going to be like in, in the Western final. We don't know what the weather's going to be like in the Grey Cup game. I, I, I will say this about the upcoming playoffs. 
I think it's very competitive. You could seriously make a case that every single team in this league could win. Even even the uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the worst team in this playoff picture, they've been there two years in a row. Uh, the last two times we had a Great Cup championship, they're getting hot at the right time. Uh, Morley, w- w- what do you say to that? Are, are, are you, are uh, absolutely you, correct. I was yeah. just looking at it. I was trying to break down the two uh, semifinals, and especially looking at the West. I mean, the West is so close. The two teams finished so close in the standings, uh, you know, virtually tied. And uh, then, uh, you know, you look at some of the personnel. I mean, they both have great backup quarterbacks going into this game. They both got Hall of Fame kickers. They've uh, both got really good running backs who've had good years. Uh, they've, they've both got solid defenses. I mean, uh, it it could be a very interesting playoff because I think all the games have the, uh, have the potential to be very entertaining, very exciting, and any team can win. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, you wouldn't be surprised if either uh, if either uh, Hamilton or Montreal wins in the East or BC or Calgary wins in the West. You're going to pick your team and you're going to pick your favorite. But I think for the most part, nobody will be surprised unless it's a blowout one way or the other. I don't think anyone could be surprised about the results coming up this weekend because uh, the league, uh, you know, the the setup is so close for both these for both these games. I'm real excited to watch them. I think it's going to be a pretty entertaining Sunday. I agree. A blowout just doesn't seem to be in my cards. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I I don't think blowouts are are coming. Hamilton is a team that if Hamilton makes it through, I would legitimately be surprised. They're the one team like. I think Montreal can can do some stuff. I think Toronto, I mean, they won 11 games. They're fine. But, I mean, uh, Hamilton's on this run of four straight wins, beating real bad teams, right? Like, they're beating the Riders by four. They beat the Red Blacks twice. And, uh, the win over the Stampeders, like, that's, that's legit. That game was – I don't know if that's their most impressive win of the year, but it might be second to the one they just hammered the Bombers. Uh, so, they, they've got it in them somewhere, but I just – I need to see Dane Evans do it in a playoff game and in multiple playoff games before I could believe that this Ticats team is because he has no backup why, now, right? DT, no, no say that. Go ahead. DT, why do you hate the Ticats so much? I remember <laughs> on this very on this very podcast a couple of months ago, I said, "Wouldn't it? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me." if Hamilton gets the third spot in the East and there's no crossover, and you immediately poo-pooed that and said it couldn't happen. Oh. Now you're not going with them all. You just don't like the Ticats. They were playing so bad, though, but the schedule... <laughs> The schedule does weird things, right? Like, uh, uh, I, I can't believe it in Ottawa because their schedule is so brutal at the top. And then, of course, Masoli goes out, and that was the end of their deal. But, like, who, who have they uh, – I want to say, who have they beaten in the last month? But then those wins against the Bombers and the Ticats have come in the last month and a half, right? So, right. pardon me, Bombers and, and Stampeders have come in the last month and a half. Yeah. So, maybe, maybe I am a little low on them. But just watching the last two great cups where Dane Evans gets in there and it just – He's not ready for what was coming. And to see it happen the second time for me was was disappointing. So if Montreal is bringing – Montreal's the blitzingest team in the CFL. If they're bringing the heat, does Dane Evans – can he stand up to that? And can that offense stand up to that? And, and oh, by the way, one offense shows up, the one that feels like they should run the ball or the one that doesn't care about running the ball. I, I really yeah. – they're the one I have the most doubt about. Any team in the West, I think, can absolutely advance through. And then, honestly, for me, coin flip it between Montreal and Toronto. All get, that being said, I, I agree with you, and uh, my pick will be Montreal going into that game as well. But uh, Hamilton has surprised a lot of people, especially this year after their horrible start. Evans seems to have figured out how to hang on to the football a little bit more and, and how to how to control the turnovers a little bit more down the stretch. But the schedule was kind of in their favor. You're right, uh, you know, especially wrapping up with a couple of games against Ottawa and everything. They, uh, But they're hot at the right time, right? And we've seen that yep. before. If you get hot at the right time, you never know what can happen. 
It's interesting you bring up the schedule. So a hot-button topic here in Calgary. The Coaches Show, Dave Dickinson, joins me every Monday night after a Calgary Stampeder game. And and believe me, he's happy with the 12-6 and six season. He is not happy that a 12-6 and six team has to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs. Dave Dickinson, he is all for one division in the Canadian Football League. He doesn't think it's rewarding the best teams in the league when you got an 11-7 and seven team having a bye and a 12 and six team having to go on the road in the playoffs. Maybe it's a little bit of sour grapes. Hey, he's the coach of the Calgary Stampeders. I, I, I do understand that. And I do understand the history of the Canadian Football League with the East-West alignments. Well, I, I'm, of, I'm of the opinion that you should reward the best teams at home playoff game. And um, Yeah, I just, I really believe that, uh, yeah, we should have a home playoff game. And I, I've been a proponent of the one division, but I'm not sure that I understand all the history of the East-West and this and that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really don't. Uh, I would like it to be that way. And, you know, I just feel like, yeah, like, you know, an 11-7 team is getting a bye and a 12-6 and team is going on the road. I, I just don't really feel like that's uh, what a balanced league should feel like, um, you know, especially like you said, that they probably, the East teams had the easier schedules because they got to play the East teams more. So just to me, it's, it's maybe a quirk that I don't understand because I haven't been, you know, in the CFL for a hundred years, but uh, I really feel like it would be something that would be at least talked about and potentially uh, justified as we go forward. We've talked about this before on this podcast, guys. Uh, d- does Dave Dickinson make a good point here or is this sour grapes? Uh, Morley, you go first. Dave Dickinson is my favorite person in the world right now, if he's making that point, because I've been beating this drum for a couple of years. It it started really sinking in for me uh, back in 2016 uh, when the Elks finished 10 and 8 and had to cross over to the East, but 10 and 8 in the East would have given them a bye and home field advantage and have to win one uh, to get to the Grey Cup. And instead, they got to win two in the East on the road if they're going to get to the Grey Cup. 2017, they finished 12 and 6. That's the second best record in the league that year and had to go on the road in the West because they tied with Winnipeg at 12 and six and uh, lost it on the tiebreaker. So they had to go to Winnipeg, won that game in, and then went on to lose in, in the Western final. But uh, yeah, you got to reward teams that have good years. I mean, uh, the, the Eastern teams, the only way they're going to get better is if they're forced to get better right now. If you're in the East, you know, if you're a 500 team, you're making the playoffs. And to me, that's just, uh, that's just not the way to operate. It's, it's uh, ridiculous. I mean, this year ends the long string of crossovers. I know, but I mean, still, the team that won the West or won the East this year, just like every year, if it was three teams in each division making the playoffs, they wouldn't even make the playoffs in the West. But yep, they get a bye to the uh, Eastern final and have to win only one game to get to the Grey Cup. You got to reward good teams with uh, with home field advantage and favorable playoff matches in the playoffs. Otherwise, you know, it's it's just not fair. And I just think that's the situation we're in right now uh, in the Canadian Football League. And I mean, it, there's only nine teams, for goodness sakes. Yeah. There's going to be 10 at some point, we believe, although the, the, the East Coast team is, has been dangled in, in front of our eyes for years and years. And, and But uh, it, to me, it's, it's the schedule, it's the standings. I mean, you got to play every team every year, every game, home and away every year, which doesn't happen the last couple of years. And you just got to have one division and let the best teams advance. And, and I would rather have the best two teams in the Grey Cup game than have a team from the East and have a team from the West. And, and the other point, Derek Taylor, that uh, the coach was making here in Calgary was the fact that uh, it, it might eliminate a situation like we saw this year in the Canadian Football League where the last weekend of the regular season meant absolutely diddly squat. 
Yeah, there. I mean, there's a potential for that, and I'm I'm with you guys 100. percent This needs to go. Like, it's not particularly like the third best team in the West has a better record than the best team in the East. And this is a number I always love to go to to just show the quality of the team. Toronto won 11 games. Props to them. But they outscored their opponents by 18 points this year. That's a number that you should get a 10, 8, 9, and 9 record off of that. Calgary won 12 games, outscoring its opponents by 165 points. <laughs> 18 to 165. There is a massive gap between the third and fourth best team in the CFL. And the third best team has to play the second best team, which got its super-duper star quarterback back. Like, Calgary... Calgary, uh, it's I've said it weeks ago. It's it's a travesty that Calgary and BC uh, are going to one of them's going to be out for the final four. Like the final four should be Winnipeg, BC, Calgary, plus whoever comes out of the East. Mm-hmm. Like that should be it, and let, let's play for it because uh, the three best teams, the best game we'll ever see, will be in the West Final. And for anybody listening, they'll say, "Well, 2017, the same thing happened in 2017. In 2017." The top four teams in the West had a better record than the Argos, but the Argos scored two 100-yard touchdowns in the Grey Cup and beat the Calgary Stampeders. That absolutely happened. But that's more an indictment on a – or more more the treasure of a one-game series to decide a champion. In a seven-game series, Calgary wins that 4-1 and is the Grey Cup champion, right? But that's not football. It doesn't mean that we should put bad teams in because why aren't the Red Blacks in it? The Red Blacks, if they got the Soli back, they could win the Grey Cup. But that's not what we're doing here. We need to reward great teams for great performances during the season, or else what are we playing the regular season for? Hard to hard to argue, guys, for sure. Uh, and this is a great segue into looking back at the 2022 CFL season. Like, I, I, I can reel off all the stats that the league gave us. Uh, you know, 61% of the games decided in the last three minutes. That's fantastic. That's an increase. You know, 128 lead changes. You know, that's a big increase for, from last season. 55 come from behind win. Scoring up, you know, 17% from, from last year. When, when you guys look back at the 2022 season, and maybe not memorable for you, Morley Scott, because it wasn't great for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, what, what will you remember this season for? Nathan Rourke, probably for me. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he was the story from the start and is obviously going to be the story at the finish of this season as well. So uh, he was clearly the, the biggest and best story, I think, of the Canadian Football League this season. Uh, uh, but other than that, what I'll remember is more exciting games, uh, the, the the better finishes, uh, the higher scoring, just, just uh, a more exciting, a more fun game to watch than it's been for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, even in Edmonton, where they won four games compared to three last year, uh, the games were more exciting. Exciting. There were players you actually wanted to watch on the Edmonton Elks. Uh, and, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, last year we were cutting highlights to try and build promos, and we couldn't find any highlights because they didn't make any plays, right? This year we had a lot of exciting plays in Elks games and a lot of plays that brought you out of the seat and, and, and you know, made you cheer and made you happy. Uh, I saw more of that this year I- I- than any other year uh, in my mind, or at least in the last few years anyway. And I think the game – got better in 2022 than it had been in the last few years. Derek. Oh, the, the Rourke one is, is a great one because it, it kind of takes our focus away from the fact that after 2019, I thought we were jacked with quarterbacks. I thought the league was going in a great spot, right? Because, Oh my goodness. Cody Fajardo looked fantastic that season in Saskatchewan. And Oh, Vern Adams really showed some good stuff in Montreal. What's, what's his next level? Uh, the, Right now, I mean, a, apart from Rourke, apart from uh, Zach Kolaris, 
what quarterback is exactly what team is exactly where they thought they would be with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're not in a great position for if you're one of the other seven teams. Like if you're Calgary, you go okay. Well, Jake had his first year, you know, taking over as starter. It was it was fine. Uh, Edmonton, well, we signed Taylor through 2024, I believe it is. We think there's pr- progress to be made there. Saskatchewan's looking for a brand new quarterback. BC may wonder what they're going to do. Vernon Adams has been moved to another team and is looking at a you know a backup role for the rest of his career. Uh, Ottawa it was scrambling all season long. Hamilton, Dane is up and Dane is down. It's uh, we're not in the best spot with quarterbacks except for the the top couple of teams and some coaches are able to work around it and some are able to to not able to work around it. So that's that's the one I kind of go away with. I thought we were going to be in a great position and now I kind of wonder what 2023 will bring. And then I've brought the whole podcast down and let's more, <laughs> see some more things about Nathan Rourke. Rourke was unbelievable. I, I, man, Rourke in the playoffs. I hope he's, I hope he's good. Oh, I hope Rourke is good. Cause it'll be unbelievable if that cat is good in the playoffs. I'll take it one step for, further on the, uh, the quarterback situation. Just, just the changing of the guard, you know, how, how Bo Levi Mitchell lost his starting job here in Calgary, how Cody Fajardo at the end of the season lost his starting job in Saskatchewan. These are two veteran quarterbacks. You know, Bo has won, you know, two great cup championships. Cody had taken his team to the, to the Western final, you know, a, a couple of years. Uh, to me, that is, that is really intriguing. So I'm going to ask you guys the question I get every single day, you know, here in Calgary. Uh, where does Bo Levi Mitchell end up next year? And I'll throw it in. Where does Cody Fajardo end up next year? Uh, Morley, you start. Yeah, that's very interesting. Saskatchewan seems to be the best bet, but I think a lot of things have to, for Bo Levi, I think a lot of things have to play out, though. I mean, there is, aside from Winnipeg and probably Toronto and Montreal, there's there's questions at quarterback for every team in the Canadian Football League moving into next year. I mean, BC's got to wonder about Nathan Rourke and if he's going to get an NFL shot, and, and that's going to affect what Vernon Adams does. And they're also wondering, is he going to come back and, and be the player he was at the start of the year? Uh, Calgary, uh, you know, has got to kind to have life without Bo Levi Mitchell and hope that Jake Mayer is the guy they think he is. Saskatchewan, what are they going to do? Where's Cody Fajardo going to go? Edmonton, is Taylor Cornelius going to develop? Is Trey Ford going to develop? Uh, I think going into the East, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson's probably pretty safe in Toronto, I would think. Trevor Harris, pretty safe uh, in Montreal. Hamilton, like, is Dane Evans going to come back to be the Dane Evans they thought he was when they allowed Jeremiah Masoli to walk? And will Masoli come back uh, uh, from his injury? And will he be uh, the kind of player that he was? at the start of this year, you know, throwing for 300-yard game after 300-yard game. A lot of quarterbacking questions moving forward. That's going to be, I believe, the hot topic of the Canadian Football League this offseason. But first and foremost, will Bo go and where will Fajardo go? Um, And to me, Saskatchewan makes sense. Although, if they're going to get Bo Levi Mitchell, oh man, you got to upgrade that offensive line <laughs> because um, yeah. uh, he, uh, you know, Fajardo, imagine how many sacks Bo Levi would have there not running like Fajardo was able to run. Uh, it would just be an incredible amount of sacks, although he might get the ball away a little bit quicker as well. So, uh, I'll have to wait and see how it shakes out. But Saskatchewan seems to be the place, but the Riders have more issues than just at quarterback. They've got to clean up a lot of yeah. things moving forward. See, I, I'm still not uh, not convinced uh, that, uh, you know, Bo ends up in Toronto just because of the Calgary connection there. And I I, I, I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson go. is a good quarterback. Back. It was wobbling. Is a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. So that, that's that that's where my gut tells me he might end up. Derek, what do you think? I, I think Saskatchewan needs something, right? So uh, it would just be so funny the, if Bo by Mitchell a guy they've loathed for so many years ended up there. Um, I, I keep trying to think of spots for, for, for Jardo, And I, I was, as Morley started talking, I thought, oh, you know what? 
Edmonton, I mean, he had success with Stephen McAdoo in 2019. Edmonton could be a place, but then you'd have to, if you're Saskatchewan, pardon me, if you're the Elks, you have to then toss one of your guys out, essentially go, well, we're not going to develop Trey Ford or we're going to get rid of Taylor Cornelius. So the more I think of that, the less it fits, though it would probably be the best thing for Fajardo. Man, um, gosh, BC, but they may be set with Vernon Adams as their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Calgary wouldn't seem to be uh, – he could probably – no, I don't know if, if Cody runs the, the short thing that Calgary wants to do. I, I'm scrambling to find spots for him because I'm just – I'm stuck – I'm to some degree stuck on what he was in 2019. And I just, I think he's perhaps been caught in a bad match with an offensive coordinator and Jason Moss the last couple of years. Not that either guy is bad. They just, you know, they don't, there are two great tastes that don't taste great together, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, there's, there, to me, there's, there's a spot for Fajardo in, in the CFL. What does Ottawa do with its head coach and what kind of system does their next offensive guru want to run? Maybe, maybe there's a place to, to be and he and Masoli can run together if Masoli is sticking around. Uh, but yeah, like there's got to be, if Bowley by Mitchell wants to keep playing, I think like Molly said, there's got to be six or seven teams that have to knock on that door. Like he, would you, let me throw this one out to you guys. Would you throw out Bowley, would you throw out uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson to have Bowley by Mitchell as your starting quarterback? Because I would think about it. I would too. Yeah, McLeod Bethel Thompson's led the league in passing the last two years, but to me, he just doesn't have that that it that that your starting quarterback and great cup winning quarterback seems to have most years, and that's what uh, concerns me. And I think if uh, you're kind of right, uh, Jock, I think if Toronto, especially if they lose the Eastern final after uh, finishing in first place, they might entertain a change at that point and and go after Bo Levi Mitchell. So uh, it might be a mix if certain things play out moving forward. But uh, for me, McLeod Bethel Thompson has always been a guy that always puts up good numbers, but I just don't see him as you know, a great cup champion quarterback. Right. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I don't know, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit that way with me. Going to be one of the great stories in the off season for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys, did, did the new rules work in the Canadian football league this year? In, in your opinion, uh, Derek, you start this time. Uh, I think they, I think they did. Kicking was, was pretty good. I mean, Kicking was atrocious last season. I was just looking at numbers last night, and kicking was below below expected last year. Like average kickers would have done better than the kickers they put out in the CFL last year. They bounced back, and they were significantly above average, so back on track. So, so that was good. Um, I, I thought. I mean, we had a lot of uh, sweet return touchdowns this year, which I think the CFL is certainly happy for. And the last time I looked, and it was a few weeks ago, uh, we were getting, you know two, three percent more passes out to that wide side of the field. They talked about opening up the wide side of the field. It was going that way. Things to the short side were about where they were in past years, at least yards per attempt wise. But they were opening up that wide side of the field uh, a little bit. When I get a chance in the offseason, I'll dive into how they were able to attack that. But now we're we're seeing more and you open up the potential of, well, you know what, if we want to run a, a real good receiver out of that Z spot, well, maybe we we have something. Maybe we we have a way that that guy can be, you know, in action. So we're gonna go to four Americans, Canadian running back, boom, let's go. And we're gonna we're gonna beat you to death with uh with our defaults. I think I think they were pretty good. And the the one thing I was concerned about is you're you're bringing in more returns, like you're actively encouraging more returns. Are we going to see more injuries come of it? And uh, it doesn't feel like that was a result, at least for one season. So I, I think for one season, I, I think I think things were fine. Did they need to do it? Well, that's another question mark. But uh, I think for one season, I, I like what has resulted thus far. 
I agree. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I go back to what I said earlier about how I thought this season had more exciting plays, uh, more better fin- uh, better finishes to games, and, and just more excitement in the games. And part of that has to be the new rules. Uh, I think that that played a pretty big part in it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm. I think I think it was a success. We'll see if it starts to trend long term or not. But I think for year one, it was a success. You know, guys, when I when I look back at the 2022 season two, uh, another thing that stands out for me is, you know, Gary Stern, you know, in Montreal. I, I thought that was fantastic. He, he went off Twitter for a couple of days. He sort of uh, thought he was no longer involved, gets back, right back involved. Uh, very, very active. The new owner in BC, Amar Dorman, I, I think, you know, great job. Great to see these guys involved. And, and Morley with Victor Quee in, in Edmonton as well. You know, these are all positives for the league moving forward. You know, should owners, should presidents uh, be active or should they? be uh, should they be silent uh morley what, what do you think i got no problem with them being active i don't know if the the coaches and the gms enjoy their their president going on uh, on twitter and guaranteeing four straight wins like victor quee did or uh, or uh, gary going on twitter and guaranteeing a win almost every game the alouettes play i'm not sure how excited the coaches are for it, but it gets it gets it gets the fans engaged right it gets reaction and it gets the fans talking and it keeps uh, the CFL in the limelight a little bit. And that's something you have to do on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before teams go back to practice and start getting set uh, for games on the weekend. So, yeah, I, I don't mind it at all as, as long as it doesn't get silly and stupid, right? And, right. I mean, even to the point – Gary Stern guaranteeing a win almost every week kind of gets to the point of being silly a little bit, but still uh, he was out there and uh, I, and he's got to be the comeback player of the year this year. Has he not? I mean, <laughs> the way he started and then he disappeared for a week and a half, then he came back strong and got back to where he was. So full marks for him for being involved like that. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think Stern needs to refocus a little bit because like you say, Morley, every week guaranteed win week, like, well, you, you need to save that up because there needs to be some sort of punishment when you do. And then, and there's a lot of, oh, be nice, be nice. Like, well, hey, Gary, sometimes your players stink. And we're going to talk about the fact that if you lose by 40 points, we're probably going to talk about the fact that you stink a little bit. So it can't all, it can't be all be nice and we're going to win every week. And I guarantee, like, well, okay, okay, we need, a, we need a new note here from this one. But it's, it's great to have them involved. And just more people talking about it, more people talking about it. Like, uh, we were in, we made the trip to Vancouver twice this this week doing bomber this season doing bomber games and like the advertising and everything is, is much more vibrant. And there's a lot of orange flying around that town in the area of the stadium. And you get on the, the, the sky train and Oh, there's BC lions advertisements. Oh, Hey, look at, there's look at this though. Oh, they want me to come down to the game. Oh, they got tickets for me. This is great. It's, it, it brings, it brings a lot of excitement. That said, you can't expect everybody to do it, right? There are some folks for whom they don't want to be in the spotlight or they're not, you know, they're not super witty and they're not super funny. I respect that. Just, but if it's if it's in you even a little bit, let's do it because we could use we could just use more heat. The uh, BC and Edmonton really stepped up. What can the rest of the teams do to to match with this new energy that the the new guys are bringing? I can honestly say I don't think it's in John Huffnagel's DNA. That you don't think so? Like <laughs> doing cartwheels at fifty yard line, guaranteeing yeah. wins every week. Yeah, no, I don't think so. What I is don't. what is what is John Huffnagel's Twitter account called? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he knows how to spell Twitter. Um, <laughs> that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know he's not on Twitter. Okay, guys, let's uh, let's wrap up this podcast and uh, let's get back to the playoffs uh, this weekend. So uh, let's start in the East. Hamilton Tiger Cats 
go in Montreal. I know a lot of fans would like to see a change in the guard. They don't want to see Hamilton, you know, back in, in the championship game. Hamilton scares me because they are getting hot at the right time. I, w- I, I, I could make a case that Dane Evans is going to come in and, and, and beat the Montreal Alouettes. So, uh, Morley, you start this one off. Um, how do you see this game uh, taking shape? As hot as Hamilton has been at the end of the season, I just don't think they have enough to beat Montreal. Defense is solid. Uh, they, you know, they get after the quarterback a little bit. I mean, uh, Hamilton's had turnover issues all year long, although they've kind of straightened it out a little bit in the last third of the season, but it was still there. Uh, I just think I'm the way the season has gone this year, I'm taking Trevor Harris over Dane Evans right now in that, in that football game. I just think the Alouettes have more game breakers. I mean, they're going to probably really focus on, uh, on Gino Lewis. And if they can double team him and shut him down, that's going to leave Wineke or white or Phil pot or Mm. somebody's going to be open and have a big day in his place. So I, I just think the Alouettes have too many weapons, especially on offense not to be the favorite going into this one Derek agree or disagree 100% agree across the board I think if if uh, BC uh, pardon me if Montreal wants to bring all that pressure on Evans he's going to have a real long time and and Morley brought up an interesting name like Jake Winicky popping up in week 20 against Toronto with six catches for a buck 21 if that if that is real like that is Montreal's going to walk with that game because now you can't control Gino Lewis the way you you thought you could. Uh, that was the that was maybe the stunner of the season two weeks ago. Was the reemergence of Jake Winicky. So yeah, to me, to me, this one's Montreal. It's not maybe not by a ton, but I just I just don't think that that Hamilton has shown me season long that they're that twenty twenty two is their year. The Stampeders go into Vancouver for the West semifinal. All eyes on Nathan Rourke. We talked about that earlier. You know, he did get into the final game of the regular season. You know, I thought he showed good zip on the ball. He showed good pocket presence. I'm not sure he has the same mobility. Uh, That could be the downfall for the BC Lions, in my opinion, if he cannot extend plays with his legs. And if he doesn't, Stampeders win this game. If he does, I think the BC Lions win this game. Morley, you start off. Your thoughts on, on the West? Uh, Sean Lemon might be the deciding factor in this game, right? If he can get to Nathan Rourke enough and, and Rourke hasn't got the mobility. I mean, there was no question. He had zip on the ball and he had pocket presence, but mm-hmm. that's not, he had that before and that wasn't what was hurt, right? Uh, he made so many great plays with his feet and uh, he made, uh, he, he extended plays and, and ran with the football and ran to get open to throw the football and he showed no one he could do that last week. Uh, maybe he was he was keeping it in the cupboard until playoff time. I don't know. Uh, but to me, that's going to be the key. If if he can if he can run like he ran or or uh, run better than he ran last week and, and run closer to where he was at the start of the season, I don't know if he'll, if he'll be a hundred close to one hundred percent or not. But to me, that's a deciding factor. As I said earlier, this game is to me is so close. These teams are so even mm-hmm. down the stretch. And let me throw this one out there: at you. you got Nathan Ork and you got uh, uh, Jake Mayer. What are the chances that one of the two backup quarterbacks who are pretty good in this game decided? Well, um, not in Calgary. I think Jake, if he starts and he stays healthy, he's uh, he's going all the way. Yeah, what if he doesn't play well and they they got to make yeah. a move late? You know, yeah. and then and then all of a sudden you got a quarterback controversy for the offseason that will take us back about fifteen <laughs> minutes in this podcast to, to talk about again. But I I don't know. I just mean they're, they're two really good backup quarterbacks, guys who can't yeah. come off the bench and win you games. Uh, and and who knows, you know, and and this is the first playoff game for Jake Merritt. It's, it's Rourke coming back after mm-hmm. what he's been through all year. So. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of one of the backups being a part of this game on uh, Sunday. Derek? 
Well, Tommy Stevens could run for 200 yards and we'd all need our shoes. Yeah, I I shouldn't name the backup quarterback. I should just say the backup quarterbacks, right? (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah. What a a game that was last week. Um, Gosh, this Nathan Rourke, even if he's caught in the pocket to me, is such an improvement over what they've been able to to put out there with Vernon Adams. And it's sure it would take away uh, an incredibly important part of his game, but just standing in there and being able to read coverages and multiple looks like Calgary loves to bring three guys and drop nine. And Rourke's the kind of guy who, who could cut that apart. Sure. He'd be down a little bit, but he's still an incredible threat. And that receiving core as as it gets healthy is awesome. This was a potential that 40, what was it? 41, 40 game in August was the game of the year in the Canadian football mm-hmm. league. And I, I hope we get some of that this time around. I I'm uh when I look at the whole thing, I'm afraid of Calgary. Uh, you know, calling games for the Bombers. I'm afraid that Calgary's the team that's going to have me calling three straight w- losses in the West Final because they're really good. Like, they can run the ball with Kadeem Carey better than any team in the CFL. And, oh, Diedrich Mills can run the ball too? Okay, cool. We're good with that. Oh, Malik Henry is this incredible deep threat that we can work on. Reggie Bagleton underneath. What if Kamar Jordan, you know, bounces back from just an awful season? And on and on and on and on. And that defense is loaded, loaded. You mentioned Lemon. Falerin Rimalade is going to lead the league in quarterback pressures. They have incredible interior players, Mike Rose and Terrell McLean, who rotates through there. It can just pick up guys and throw them into the, you know, through the uprights. Linebackers, awesome. Defensive backfield, they've they've figured it out to where it is. And having got like Brandon Dozier uh, ready to go, Calgary is going to be a problem. So to me, uh, to me, Calgary wins this one barring something super heroic from Nathan Rourke, and then I start to hold my breath about the West Final. Okay, so I've got Calgary going into Winnipeg as well. Uh, Derek, you've got Calgary going into uh, to Winnipeg as well, so are, are you going to make it uh, make it unanimous here, Morley? I think so. Uh, defense okay. wins championships, right? And uh, Calgary's got the better defense in that game, and I think, uh, I think defense will prevail, uh, but uh, it could go the other way and be another, you know, both teams hitting 40 points too. Who knows? But yeah, I, if I had to pick, I'd pick Calgary. I've got Hamilton going into Toronto for the, uh, for the East final. Derek, I, I think, I think you have Montreal, right? Montreal. Yeah. And Morley, you as well? Montreal. Okay. We're going to see how this one plays out. We'll have to uh, dissect it next, next week. Guys, this has been fun. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Football North. You bet. Thanks, brother. Okay, that does it for another edition of Football North. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading. Would love to hear your comments and feedback. Maybe you have a topic idea for a future show. You can always hit me up. Jock at am770chqr.com.